And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Monday, the 18th of September. I'm Tim Spears, and today we're asking... Are Manchester United in crisis? We're getting close to that situation now because of the quite astonishing things that have happened off the pitch, but then also now the results. Why are Chelsea's fans booing their team off? Their confidence in in the final third is is really lacking. It's sort of almost a carry-on from last season. And why did Mikel Arteta drop Aaron Ramsdale? He actually tried to change the narrative around how the world views goalkeepers in football. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Tim Spears. There were some big results across Europe this weekend, so we'll start by filling you in on the highlights. Derby, demolition of Milan. Oh, it's got yeah. Kane! And Kane has scored in under seven minutes. Here's Oriol Romeo. Plays that in. That is a good ball. Joao Felix will find the net from an impossible angle. The most eye-catching result was arguably in the Milan derby, where Inter hammered AC Milan 5-1. Henrik Mkhitaryan scored twice as Simone and Zaghi's side continued their perfect start to the season in some style. They're top, but champions Napoli have already dropped five points after drawing 2-2 at Genoa. Juventus, minus the suspended Paul Pogba, are seconds. They beat Lazio 3-1. And Jose Marino's Roma ended their wait for a first league win of the season in style with a 7-0 shellacking of Empoli. Romelu Lukaku scored the sixth, his first Roma goal. In Germany, the early top-of-the-table clash between Bayern Munich and Bayern Leverkusen ended 2-2, with Harry Kane scoring his fourth goal in four matches. He's the first Bayern newbie to achieve that feat since Miroslav Klose way back in 2007. England teammate Jude Bellingham didn't score for Real Madrid this time, but they came from behind to beat Real Sociedad 2-1. Hosselu scored the winner, while Barcelona remained two points behind Real after a 5-0 thrashing of Real Betis. João Felix and Joao Cancelo both scored their first goals for the club. Over in France, PSG surprisingly lost 3-2 at home to Nice, despite Kylian Mbappe scoring twice. Monaco, Brest and Marseille filled the top three positions in Ligue 1, but perhaps the most surprising result of the weekend, or at least it would have been a couple of years ago, was Manchester United being demolished at home by Brighton and Hove Albion. Now Brighton coming forward in numbers. Joao Pedro! United lost 3-1 to brilliant Brighton. It was their third defeat in five matches so far. They sit 13th in the early table. And of course, there are huge off-field problems at Old Trafford. Let's get United correspondent Laurie Whitwell on to pick the bones out of this one. Just another weekend, Laurie, as Manchester United correspondent. Poor results, off-field issues. Are United a club in crisis? Yeah, Rick Tenag was asked this after the game. He said no, I guess he would do. But it does feel like we're getting close to that situation now because of the 
quite astonishing things that have happened off the pitch. But then also now, yeah, as you say, combining with the results performances. I mean, the performances all season have been questionable, but they kind of, you know, snuck, you know, a couple of wins against Wolves and Nottingham Forest and perhaps were a little bit unlucky against Spurs and Arsenal. But this was a, a real comprehensive victory for Brighton and much changed Brighton at Old Trafford where, you know, they had a team costing a fraction of what United costs, absolutely outplaying them and just really hammering home uh, the difference between a well-run club from one that drifts from sort of one episode to the next. I mean, Ten Hag got it in the neck from fans at the weekend. I guess with so much going on, Sancho, Greenwood, Anthony, injuries, it sort of feels like it doesn't matter who the manager is at the moment. There's just so much to fix. Does it sort of feel like an insurmountable job? I mean, they've got they've got money, uh, so you know you'd think that that would would surmount some issues. But uh, I do think that because of the way the Glazers own the club and the 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 way that Joel is involved, you know, so he has to sign off on things and it takes time. He lives in America and you know he likes to take his time over certain decisions. I mean, look at the whole strategic review, the sale process. I mean, that's about nine months, I think. Um, so uh, yeah, so that that kind of uh, hampers what United can do, how proactive they can be, uh, but. Also, also, you know, it, you know, it then feeds down, you know, onto the management and the players, and and do the players have a sense that if it's not working, the manager will be changed ultimately, and, and they can perhaps outlast him. And he's come in with quite a, a strong disciplinary streak, but he, that's what he said United wanted from him. You know, standards. Uh, he mentioned on the pre-Brighton press conference, uh, he wants to uh, make sure that players um, uphold them, and, and that's something that United have yearned for, really. Yeah, I do wonder if any manager, I think, would struggle with the circumstances that United are in right now. I mean, a win would be nice. It's Bayern and Harry Kane next in the Champions League. From what you've seen the last couple of weeks, in terms of performances, personnel, tactics, what do you think could be done here for a couple of quick fixes from Ten Hag's point of view? Yeah, I mean, he went with a diamond against Brighton, uh, which was the answer to the question of who's going to play right wing with Sancho and Anthony uh, not available. Um, he didn't play with a right winger, so that was one answer. Um, I wonder if he changes that for for Bayern Munich. I suppose that the system against Brighton was very specific to how Brighton play out from the back. Um, I mean, I guess the, the same principles would apply to Bayern, but I, I do wonder if you know, bringing in a right winger, more orthodox right winger, would, would prove useful. I mean, Palistri is that player, is he good enough? That's the question mark and I guess Tanag is giving his answer by not starting him in a situation like this where they've got players out. Garnacho would be another one, you know, could he start on the right? But yeah, that, that's a that's a quick fix, I suppose. But it's, it's an issue because you've got Casemiro who's not at the same level as he was previously. Is Amrabat going to be able to lift that up? He, he wasn't in the squad against Brighton because of uh, an injury. Mason Mount as well, is he going to be back ready? Possibly, but it could come too soon for him. So if he gets players back, Tanag said there would be one player he thought back from injury for the game so that could change things um, but yeah he's got a lot of issues it's not going to be a quick fix this Meanwhile United player Mason Greenwood's first competitive football match for 19 months was met with chance calling for him to die by opposition supporters Greenwood came off the bench for lone side Getafe who beat Osasuna 3-2 and the 21 year old made a positive impact winning the corner that led to the winning goal Osasuna are likely to be punished by La Liga after visiting supporters aimed abuse towards Greenwood, chanting Greenwood die. The chants were condemned by Osasuna boss Hagabar Arasate. 
Manchester United have made a poor start to the season, but in terms of results, it hasn't quite been as bad as that of fellow big spenders Chelsea, who have just five points from their opening five matches. The Blues are 14th in the table and were booed off by their away fans after drawing 0-0 at Bournemouth on Sunday. Simon Johnson was there for the Athletic and he joins us now. Another underwhelming result here, Simon. What's not clicking at the moment? Well, it's basically going forward there. Confidence in, in the final third is, is really lacking. It's sort of almost a carry on from last season. 38 goals in, in 38 games last season, which was a new Premier League record low. It's been five goals in as many games this season, including two goalless games, the last two, including Bournemouth. Confidence is lacking. Quality is lacking. Bit of luck is lacking. But really, they're just, they're just not... Uh, they're just not looking like a cohesive unit, which partly is, is explained because I don't think Pochettino's been able to field his best team yet, but it does feel like a bit of an excuse given the uh, the amount they've spent in the market. Well, yeah, and I guess, you know, we did think sort of lack of Europe and lots more time on the training ground would yield maybe some quicker results. I guess that's maybe part of the frustration behind the fan base. I and, mean, you know, we've, we've heard some boos at full time. They've, they've got every right to boo. But is, is that fair after five league games? Well, I asked Pochettino about this in, in the post-match press conference and he gave his longest answer. He, he went, he actually was quite animated, quite passionate. On one hand, he, he's very keen to say, I don't blame the fans. The game's about emotion. They expect Chelsea to win. I expect Chelsea to win. He says, I cannot cry about it. But at the same time, he is kind of crying about it, uh, as any manager would. You know, I, I think he kind of made the point, look, if if Chelsea have a fully fit squad as his best team out there, he expects better results. And he, he was talking about about 12 players, even more, being on the sidelines at the moment and intimating that any club would struggle, therefore, under those circumstances. But, you know, Chelsea, with the amount they spend, the squad they have, to be able to cope with an injury list, even though it's a very big one at the moment. Yeah, I can hear opposition fans crying everywhere for for poor Chelsea. With the <laughs> but do, do the tears stop soon? I mean, you say twelve players out. Any any sign of any coming back? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a few that are sort of starting rehab and and, and starting light training. People like Reese James, Chukwemeka. The problem is, is is someone really important that they desperately need, and who Pochettino was had, had built his preseason around in, in many respects. Uh, Christopher Nkunku, one of their big signings, he's not going to be back till December, and so they've got to try and make things gel in the meantime. But um, the problem is he had Madweki, Casado and Cucurella added to the injury list for, the, for this game, which is why it was a remarkable bench. If you actually look at the subs bench, it's got academy kids who've never kicked a ball for the senior team in it. They had two goalkeepers. So it does, in a way, he does need to be treated with some sympathy because when a game is going awry, like it did at Bournemouth, he, he only really had Cole Palmer, new signing, but very inexperienced when you think about it. Ben Chilwell, but he He's a, he's a left back, left wing back. And then he brought on Ian Matson, uh, another academy product. So perhaps we should get the uh, the violin out, Tim, and, and, and sort of have great sympathy for, for Chelsea and all their misfortune. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. 
The only goal scored in the Premier League on Sunday was by Arsenal's Leandro Trossard, whose 69th minute strike saw struggling Everton's resistance finally broken at Goodison Park. 1-0 to the Arsenal then, and that means they're fourth, level on points with North London rivals Spurs in second, ahead of the big derby next weekend. But the biggest talking point was Mikel Arteta's choice of goalkeeper, with Aaron Ramsdale demoted to the subs bench and Brentford loanee David Raya chosen instead. He kept a clean sheet, but does that mean he gets to keep the shirts? We can hear now from Arsenal correspondent Jordan Campbell who was at Goodison Park. So Arsenal have made it four wins from five at the start of the Premier League season. Uh, another hard-fought win here at Goodison Park, but as much as Leandro Trossard's goal was the major highlight of the game for, for Mikel Arteta's side, a lot of the questions after the game were about David Raya making his debut in place of Aaron Ramsdale, who has been the established number one in the last couple of years, and also just made a start for England during the international break. A beloved player for the Arsenal, um, the Arsenal fans who who have seen him grow and become a real leader in the team. But Raya obviously has connections to the, the Arsenal goalkeeping coach and was brought in from Brentford, which, which raised a few eyebrows because to have two keepers around the same age, same height, similar, similar uh, ability level, obviously creates a bit of tension. <laughs> and I guess the question was always, how long is Ramsdale going to keep his place? Is, is it inevitable that Raya takes over? Um, but, but Arteta says that he doesn't see it like that. That's what he's maintained ever since he, he joined the club in the summer. And he actually went on the front foot and tried to change the narrative around how, how the world views goalkeepers in football. He said that twice in his career, he regretted not substituting his, his goalkeeper between 60 and 80 minute mark when, when they came under pressure. And they went on to draw the two games. And he said he lacked the courage to to actually make that change because for so long in football it's been the, the done thing is to stick with a number one and he's the established man and you don't rotate during a game like you would outfield players um, it would be seen, seen as an embarrassing thing to, to almost change a goalkeeper I think the only thing we've ever seen before is, is changing a goalkeeper ahead of penalties in a shootout but he seems to be almost trying to, to break down one of the traditions but I guess the proof will be in the pudding as to how feasible this is when you're dealing with two human beings who have egos who want to play and want to want the comfort and the confidence that comes from being the regular starter for this game he suited playing Everton um, and coming out for the high balls as he, as he did very well a few, on a few occasions or uh, is it going to be that Raya then takes over in Europe or Ramsdale plays in Europe and one plays in the league this isn't a thing that's been done very often in club football uh, Barcelona did it for a while with uh, with Bravo at, at Barca and that worked for a season but inevitably one of them has to go because two number ones um, at that level aren't happy sitting on the bench for most of the games so he was he was very very adamant that the, the world needs to change how they see goalkeepers so I guess how that pans out in the next few months will be, will be very telling when, when the big Champions League games and the, the big the big league games against Spurs and Man City come I think then <laughs> we'll, we'll see how strongly his, his words hold up That defeat left Everton 18th in the table Burnley have an opportunity to leapfrog them tonight when they travel to the city ground to take on Nottingham Forest who themselves can go 7th with a win. Kickoff is at 7.45 on Sky Sports in the UK or you can catch it at 2.45pm Eastern Time in the US on USA Network. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. I've been Tim Spears. Your producer was Mike Zimmerman and executive producer was Ian McIntosh. If you're new to the show, we'd love you to subscribe and come back for more and feel free to leave us a review if you can. I'll be back here tomorrow. See you in the morning. The Athletic. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.